0: Welcome to the Rocky Messages podcast. Rocky is a gathering of people that want to know Jesus and love like him. If you hear something today that you'd like to know more about, you should check out our other podcast, Rocky Unscripted, where we take a topic and through conversation and study, we go a little bit deeper. And right now, let's join today's message. Amen. Well, hey, church. It is uh, good to be together today, and uh, it's good to have Frederick Campus join us live, everybody here at NIWAT, and then everybody online. And we probably got some families that are in with graduations. It's not just uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's actually graduation weekend. And so we have—I'm really excited. We have— over 40 graduates um, between our two campuses that are here in our church, that volunteer, that come to youth ministry stuff, or they're just involved in in our services. And uh, can we just give it up for them? Man, tons of them. I see some families sitting here and some people from out of town in. Um, We are super proud of all those kids and super, I mean, a big accomplishment for them but I would say to all of you parents out there too, it's a big accomplishment for you also and uh, just getting them through that stage. And I don't know if you remember that stage. Man, I, was, I graduated in 1993. Like I'm getting on the edge old here, guys, um, for sure. But 1993, I graduated. I remember graduating and thinking, man, I'm, I'm getting older. And I was, because you know getting older just kind of happens, right? You just, you just get older. It comes year by year and all of that. But then I had this statement. I was like, but man, I'm growing up. And I don't know if I was so much growing up. I was getting older, but I don't know if I was growing up. I think that's something we all think. We'd, we start getting to that age, 18, 19, and are like, man, I'm growing up, right? Heading off to college or getting a job and making my own decisions and out on my own. I'm doing my thing. I went to Ozark Christian College, 1,500 miles away. And it took about two days to realize that I was getting older, but I was not growing up. And I, I'd say that because the dean of students found me on day two. And guys, if the dean of student finds you and it's not just like at a welcome event, that is not a good thing. So the dean of students came to our dorm looking for the four guys that were blowing stuff up. You see, my buddies and I, we'd gone down to Baskin-Robbins. We had bought some dry ice. We went to the grocery store, got a few two-liter bottles. We, we drank them and then dumped them out. And, and we started making dry ice bombs and blowing stuff up. The problem was that we were only about 200 yards from the administration building, and the administration building had floor-to-ceiling windows on the dean of students' side where his office was. And so we're blowing up these things and shooting stuff up in the air, having a great time, while his assistant is sitting there worrying about these 20-foot window panes, if they're shaking so bad that she thinks they're going to bust and fall on her. So Coach Hafer comes over, he was also one of the basketball coaches, he comes over and he finds us guys, and he looks at us and says, guys, all right, you're away from home now, it is time to grow up. And you think I would have listened to that, but Coach Hafer and I got really close, Dean Hafer and I got really close over that first year of school. I was about four months later, and I had a scheduled appointment with Dean Hafer, and if, you know, if you meet him on the second day of school, that's not, that's, that's not good, but there's a little grace for that. When you have scheduled appointments, that's not a good thing. And, and I showed up in his office, and there's four of us, same four guys, should have probably found some different friends maybe. Uh, but I show up in Dean Hafer's office, and he's like, guys, I want to know why I'm having to call your parents and ask for them to pay for the carpet in your dorm hallway, like 60 feet of carpet, because there's this huge burn mark right down in the middle, and I'm like... I, well, Dean, I, I have no idea what happened. I mean, there was a little accident. Like, there was this little thing, not a big deal. It happened like it was a bowling ball and some cheap cologne, and, and maybe a lighter was involved in something. I don't know how that burn mark got there, right? And I remember the conversation really clearly. Guys, you're not home anymore. You're out on your own, and it's time to grow up, Right? And the interesting thing about that conversation is growing older and growing up, there's two different things. Like, growing older, we all do that. It just happens. But growing up takes some intentionality, and it isn't just for young people, right? It's for adults, too. We've all seen adults act like five-year-olds. I was at a basketball game the other day. My boy's 13. He's playing. He's down at Thornton High School playing in a little club league. And uh, he's playing, and there is this mom. I'm sitting there in the stands, and there is this mom that is just losing her mind. Like, you just know parents and refs do not go well together. And so she is, I mean, they're playing this game, I'm watching, and, and there's three courts in this gym, and she's on one of the courts and freaking out and just standing up and telling the ref he needs glasses, and she's like pulling from the bleachers and doing this whole thing. And it's not just her court that's watching. It's the court next door that's watching. I mean, everybody is looking at this lady, and I finally lean over to my wife, and I'm like, babe, could you calm down a little bit here? (laughs) No, it was not my wife, but it was a lady, for sure. She's going to kill me. I will not be eating dinner tonight, so we'll see. But you get that, man. There are times where it's just like, hey, you may be growing older, but it might be a wise thing to grow up. So we started a new book, a new series, and it's on the book of 1 Corinthians. And we entitled the series, um, for the next five weeks, we entitled it this, it's What Happens in Corinth Stays in Corinth. And the reason we entitled it that way is because Corinth was the Vegas of the Greek world, of the Roman Empire. It was actually a place where people would vacation. They would go there, and, and uh, it, was, it was a place with casinos, honestly. It was a place with theaters, um, it was a place with a whole bunch of brothels, it was a very sexualized city. sounds a lot like Vegas, right? And, and what was interesting is, is people would go there, they would vacation there, but it was also a port city. It was also a port city. And, and the thing about, about Corinth is it was actually a place, because so many people would go to this place, the, the Apostle Paul went there, showed up in Corinth, and actually started a church there. And so we'll talk about that a little bit in some of the historical things, but what was interesting about the whole message that he writes to the church in Corinth, which is the book of 1 Corinthians. There's also a second Corinthians. There was even two other books or letters that were written to the Corinthian church that we don't have. But he writes these, and his whole message to this church in Corinth was this. Hey, you're getting older, but you are not growing up. Like what had happened is Paul had gone there to start a church. Again, we said it was a port city, and Paul would go to important cities, port cities, places like Ephesus and Corinth and others, and he would go there because people would come in and out. And his goal was to start a church or churches in these areas. And when people would come into these port cities, stay there for a while, what would happen is he would hope to involve them in the church. And the goal was, is that then they would go out to other places and take the gospel with them. So he shows up in Corinth and he starts a church and he spends a year and a half there. Year and a half. And he he just starts teaching them about Jesus and about the gospel and, and all these different things. And then he sets up a church. And he develops church leaders, and he says, here's how we do church, and here's what you do, and, and here's how you lead people. And then Paul went to another city, just like he did. But the interesting thing was, is what happened in Corinth didn't stay in Corinth, because there was problems in Corinth. Paul left, and the church started falling apart, and there were all these issues and divisions and all the stuff that was going on, and the riffle effect of information made it out to Paul, and Paul heard about it. But the problem was this. Paul can't jump on an airliner and fly, you know, take a flight right over to Corinth and get there tomorrow and sit down with his church and say, guys, remember, this is the focus of what we're doing. And so Paul sits down at his desk and he writes a letter. In the New Testament, just a little bit of context for your New Testament, the New Testament, about half of the New Testament is letters. They're, they're letters that are written. We call them books, but they're actually letters. The Greek word for that was epistle, was a letter. And so you have the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we call them the Gospels. It's the story of Jesus. It's eyewitnesses who followed Jesus around or talked to people who followed Jesus around and then wrote down his teaching and his miracles and all the different things that happened in Jesus' life, wrote down the gospel. But then you get this book called Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. It was what happened after Jesus to set up the church. And it's interesting, the first church starts in Jerusalem, right? Peter starts the church in Jerusalem, but then Paul gets involved, and Paul goes from Jerusalem to all the Gentile cities. He goes away from the Jews because they're not accepting the Gentiles, and he says, nope, this is for everybody. So he goes to places like Corinth. And you have the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians, and he goes to a place called Ephesus. And we have the book of, of Ephesians. You have the book of Romans. And that is written to the roman christians in rome and so you have these 13 books that are written by paul and they all come out of you can go back to the book of acts and actually see where those churches and where those places were developed and paul's writing letters to say here's how you do church here's how you live out the gospel and what happens is paul gets word that things are not going well in corinth and what's happening is they're not living out what they believe so Paul goes and he writes this letter, and it reads like five short essays because there were five problems. Paul's like, hey, I'm going to address these five problems. I'm just going to write a couple chapters here, write a couple pages of the letter about these, these problems. So first issue we'll talk about today was division around leaders. Second issue was sexuality. There was a whole lot of things that were being shaped by the culture of Corinth, not by the church. And then there was the issue of food, sacrificing to idols. Should we eat that food or not? Is it defiled? And it doesn't sound like a big deal to us, but there's a whole lot of things that we could equate with that idea in our culture. And then it was worship. How do we worship? How do we worship in the context of having all generations and all different classes of people in society come together in one church? And then the last one was was The resurrection. And what Paul does is he steps back and he says, you got five problems and five issues where you are not living out the gospel, but there's one solution. And the solution, Paul, is it says, is one word. It's, it is this. It's the gospel, right? It's the gospel. And you might say, okay, so well, how is that the solution? What Paul was saying is, is the gospel is the good news about Jesus. It's a story, but it's not just a story about Jesus. It's also the lifestyle of Jesus. It is a story about how he brings forgiveness. And how we accept him. But it is also the gospel explains a better way of life. It begins, it, the gospel is this it is beginning to see life and decisions through the lens of how Jesus saw life and decisions. So Paul just steps into this letter and he's like, You got these five problems division around leaders, sexuality, food, worship, the resurrection. Let's step back from our own preferences, our own dreams, and our own desires, and let's actually look at these through the lens of how Jesus would look at these issues. That's living the gospel. And what Paul does is he looks at the the church in Corinth and he says, guys, you're growing older, but you need to grow up. We've got to grow up. And I think there are some, I know there are some things in this book that are going to hit us right between the eyes to help us as a church and you and me as individuals to grow up in our faith. First Corinthians chapter 1, starting verse 10, Paul attacks the first issue of division. There's division around leaders. Listen to what he says. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So there's some divisions that are happening here. Then he gets to the problem. He says, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household. Chloe was a, I mean, she is mentioned in numerous books of just being a partner with Paul, of just, just how her family, were. they were fellow missionaries and workers um, with Paul in the gospel. He says, my, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. So the ripple effect happens. What's, what happens in Corinth didn't stay in Corinth. And it gets to Paul, and what, what he realizes is happening is there becomes divisions in the church in Corinth around different leaders. And I think we'll get this in a second, but here's what was going on. Paul, had, as, after Paul left, there were certain leaders who came through town. Now, the two that are mentioned are two of Paul's good friends. Like it says, Apollos. Pa- Apollos was a friend of Paul. Paul had Priscilla and Aquila, we'll see in a second, that actually mentored him. They were great friends of Paul. He knows Apollos well. Cephas, who's Cephas? It's actually, that's the Aramaic pronunci- pronunciation of, of Peter. Peter was the Greek name. So, this is Peter we're talking about, the guy who started the whole thing. These guys come through town. Paul's gone. And all of a sudden, people in the church start rallying around. They become groupies around different leaders, and it was understandable. Because take Peter, for instance. Like, Peter had history. You think about it. Peter's a guy that was one of the 12 disciples. He was also one of the inner three. Um, The guy had walked on water, like a few steps at least, right? He walked on water. Then when Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he had come back from the dead. He was resurrected. He met with Peter, and he met with the other disciples. He says, Peter, you're my guy. Peter, you are my guy. You are the one who is going to lead the church, and on Pentecost, which interesting, in the church calendar, this weekend is Pentecost. On Pentecost, what happened in Acts chapter 2, Passover was when Jesus was crucified, Pentecost is when the church started. Peter stands up in Jerusalem on Pentecost. There's so many people that have come to Jerusalem to celebrate this actual feast. And Peter begins to preach, and the Holy Spirit just begins to go crazy, and everybody begins to hear and understand in their, in their native language and tongue, and people who don't even speak Peter's language are hearing about the gospel, and he preaches this great sermon, and 3,000 people are baptized that day. It's like the biggest baptism service, and the church starts. Peter comes to town, and people are like, that's the guy? Like, this whole thing started with Jesus, but that's the guy that he put in charge. So people begin to align with Peter around not talent or ability, but history. Then you got Apollos. Apollos, you can find the story in Acts chapter 18. Talks about Corinth, the start of Corinth, but also talks about Apollos, and Apollos being this revival preacher that was traveling around. And here's what happens. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos. A native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was a learned man, he was educated with a knowledge of the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord about Jesus and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they were great friends of Paul and fellow laborers in, in, in the mission. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. And what's interesting is that as they begin to explain, he begins to listen and Apollos begins to be mentioned later on in the book of Acts and later on in some of the writings of Paul as a traveling speaker. Like Even historically, people in history talk about him being, they, they use the term silver tongue, like an amazing speaker. This would have been the, the guy who went around to all the conferences, Right? Yeah, all the conferences. He's got five or six sermons that he's done and perfected and he's preached thirty or forty times and he walks in and you guys hear it and you're like, Whoa. That was amazing because he was such a gifted speaker. And so people start rallying around Peter because of history, and they start rallying around Apollos because of ability. And then there's Paul. And Paul's like, I started this church. Like, guys, you, you're kind of my spiritual children that, that God would allow allowed me to come in and be able to share with you and teach you. And all of a sudden, you're going, Apollos and Peter and others and others. And, and you're not just saying that, but you're dividing and you're talking poorly about people who follow those leaders. Interesting fact Apollo was a great speaker. Apollos. He was a great speaker. He traveled around, spoke all over the place, and people were just wild by how he would speak. Let me ask you this, how many sermons does Apollos have that we have recorded? Zero. You see, different people are gifted for different reasons. And the interesting thing about Paul is we actually do have some of his teachings recorded, but not as many, just a couple of his actual teachings. Acts chapter 17, he was in Athens, he spoke. What we have from Paul, though, is his written words. It's very interesting to think about this. God chose Apollos because of his giftedness with the the spoken word. And people in that day were like, man, bring Apollos back. That guy, I like, I identify with that guy, man. He just moves my soul. But God didn't choose Apollos to be the greatest missionary of all time, to spread the gospel clear across Europe and across Asia and into Africa. Who did he use? He used the apostle Paul who had a strong personality, he was a driven guy. But interesting enough, the Gospel, how many of Paul's written books do we have or letters? 13, we have 13, God didn't choose Paul because of his ability to speak the spoken word, he chose him because of his ability to write the written word, which was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but was used, Paul was used to write those letters that we still use today to understand. If you don't have the book of Romans, You don't understand sin fully. You don't understand God's grace fully. You do not understand the depth of meaning in the cross and the resurrection without the book of Romans and then the book of Galatians that he writes to the Hebraic Christians that were getting wrapped around the axle about all the old covenant things of sacrifice in the temple. And he writes the book of Philippians to the church where, where he began to write to people who were going through need, persecuted, Had no money. Yet those were the people that supported Paul the most. And we have these books today that we still lean into. You know, good lesson for us, that a lot of what we have a tendency to do is rally around people who are gifted, or compare ourselves to people that we think are more gifted than us. What God says is you were created on purpose for a purpose, and He wants us to get busy figuring out the purpose of the reason why He put us here with the gifts that we have. step back into Corinth and here's what was happening. They're rallying around all these people. And they begin to rally around these people and they begin to talk poorly about the people that were following Peter and the people that were identifying with Apollos and then the people that were fighting and saying, no, Paul started us. And then there were some people saying, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) What about Jesus, right? And so all these factions and all this stuff that was going on and Paul was saying, hey, here's the problem. When you begin to do this, when you begin to idolize different things, when you begin to put people or things on a pedestal, here's what always happens, we divide what we have a tendency to idolize. Or we can say it this way, when we idolize things, we divide them. We divide over what we idolize. And you might sit here today and you might be like, man, we don't do that. Well, very practically, like very practically, we actually do. If you just want to step back into the issue that Paul was talking about, we could have a tendency to have the same issue here, because we have two communicators, and we have multiple leaders. Any particular Sunday, you might show up, and you might be like, hey, who's preaching? Because, man, I like Matt. Well, interesting enough, man, I like Matt. Man, dude's passionate, right? He's funny, man, but he says things that some of you would be like, Sean, never say that from the stage. I mean, he gets after it, Right? Well, there's some of people that are like, well, I, I like Matt. And then there's others that are like, well, I like Sean. I like Sean, man. He dives in some of the background stuff, the historical stuff, and, and shares a little bit about his life and different things in his family and stories and all those different things. I, I like Sean. Some of you might be like, well, I like Amanda. I think she should speak more, right? And we could go into worship leaders, Nick and Dane and Luke, and we could go into other staff members, Mitch and others, and all kinds of different people. And you just step back, and there could be a very easy opportunity for a tendency for people to divide over, to begin to say, well, that's my guy, or that's my leader, or that's the people that I identify with and that speak to me. And it's interesting enough, because here's the deal. We actually think that's a really good thing. Not a good thing about dividing, but actually a really good thing that we have different personalities and different types of leaders, because different types of leaders reach more people, right? Like there's some people that do say, I like Matt and I like his passion, and there's some people that say, I do like Sean, I like Sean more, I like Matt more. What? But here's the deal, when we have multiple personalities that teach and communicate the gospel well, what we have is a greater opportunity to reach people. And so what Paul steps back and he says, it starts with those kind of things, but it goes to other things. It goes to, to all kinds of different opportunities within the church and within our life where we take something that is a tool to bring the gospel to other people, and we have a tendency to raise up that thing because maybe it meant something to us. Maybe it's a way that reached us, but we intend to raise that thing up to a level of Jesus or even raise that thing above Jesus. And what happens? We begin to idolize something, and we begin to divide over what we idolize. Case in point. I'll give you another example. Denominations. Like the church has been guilty of this for years, and it doesn't it didn't just take a couple years for us to get to the point, do you understand, that in the world, in the world, like of churches that follow Jesus to say, he's our savior, do you know that there are 40, over 40,000 denominations 40,000 denominations, and there's a whole bunch of them be like, well, I would never work with that church because that church believes this. And we begin to divide over what we idolize. There's a whole lot of other things. We divide over things like worship, right? And we divide over those things because we look at them, and we're like, oh, I don't, man, I, I'm telling you, man, I don't think, I think this is the best style. Or these songs have more theology, like the study of God, the understanding of God. They have deeper, more meaningful words. And we divide over things like programs. That program meant so much to me. Man, it changed my life. And, and man, a church, if a church doesn't have this program in this way, I don't know if it's a great church, right? There's so many different things. Style of teaching. And get that all the time. Man, if we're not going like verse by verse, right? If we're not going verse by verse through Scripture, here's the deal, we're not going deep. Like, if you go verse by verse, that's deep. And you have to step back and you start ans- asking yourself the question, putting our preferences aside, how would Jesus view those things? What is the lens, like the gospel, the lens of the gospel, viewing things through the lens of the gospel? Paul just challenges the church in Corinth. He he says, how would Jesus view these things? Because he would look at multiple teachers and say, I've gifted Matt a certain way, and I've gifted Sean a certain way, and I've gifted Amanda a certain way, and I've gifted all kinds of different leaders. Name your favorite teacher out there that you can get on YouTube in a second. He said, I'd get to them all different ways because there's all kinds of different people and I want to reach all of those people. And Matt and Amanda and Nick and Mitch and Luke and Dane and we could go on through the rest of our staff and we could just say, hey, we are on the same team and we love each other because we are on the same team with Christ. And our goal is to reach more people through whatever means necessary. And I'm telling you, I sit out there just like you guys sit out there, and when Matt knocks it out of the park, I'm going, dude, that was awesome. I love that, and I'm cheering for him. And we are all on the same team because the focus of the church is not Paul, Apollos, or Peter, or your favorite pastor. The focus is Jesus, right? And denominations, what would Jesus say to that? He'd be like, grow up, guys. Like, grow up. Here's the deal. The center of this whole thing is me. And so if you keep me at the center, you won't have all these divisions. And we might actually accomplish Jesus' mission of reaching the world if we would quit looking at all the differences and pull together under Jesus and say, let's do this thing together. Right? And it's everywhere. I mean, I laughed last service. I said, I said this: that, you know, we're a non-denominational church, but we're also connected with five thousand churches like us that come from the same movement. We're the the joke is that we're the non-denominational denomination, right? And Jesus would just say, "Hey, guys, grow up. Let's get together." programs jesus would look at programs and say i love that program different churches use different programs in different ways and there are different times frames where different programs work and i use them all because there are all kinds of people that it connects with and worship he would say this he would say guys grow up because here's the deal i created all kinds of musicians because i knew that there would be all kinds of tastes and music and all kind there's all kinds of worship styles you go to africa and you hear their style it's different than our style You go to a person who's 15 years old, or 20 years old, or 25, or 35, might be different than your style, but God created them all to reach all kinds of people. And he says, guys, growing up in our faith is viewing these things through the lens of how Jesus views them as tools to reach more people. And we could keep going, and not just things about church, but the way we view other issues in our life, or the way we view our finances, Man, I thought I was growing up, and I, I remember get just, I was just getting older and being in my faith in my 20s, and I hadn't really learned about the whole generosity thing. I remember somebody talking to me and sharing. I started looking at our finances and where we were spending our money. Like, man, it's time to grow up. God calls us to be generous. And think about my, my relationship with my wife. I've been very open. Man, growing up for us was going to counseling. And beginning to work on communication issues and get through things because we were just getting older, but we weren't growing up. And we began to work on things and be intentional about things. And man, we've seen some growing up. You see, God says, hey, when we begin to look at life through the lens of the gospel, we begin to grow up. Paul writes in chapter three, actually, Yeah, chapter 3, he says this, and he addresses the issue again, and he actually just calls it what it is. He says, brothers and sisters, verse 1, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're not still ready. You're still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says I follow Paul and I follow another I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe and as the Lord has assigned each one his task, I planted the seed, Apollos, wa- Apollos watered it, but God is the one making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes Things grow. Paul says, You want to grow up? He says, You want to grow up in your faith? You begin to see everything in life as an opportunity to view it through the lens of how Jesus sees life, to make decisions according to those things, not by our preferences, not by our leanings or our dreams, but to make a decision by what Jesus' dreams for us are. My grandfather passed away a few years ago. I've told this story before, but he was at a church in uh, Joplin, Missouri. His College Heights Christian Church. It was a great church. Um, it's a much older church. You know, Rocky will be 40 years next year, 40 years old. And so we're, we're growing older, but College Heights was, was a lot older church. Been around, and there's, it was associated with a Christian college there that I went to. And so there were people that had helped start Ozark Christian College way back in the day. And they had gone to this church. And so, but it was a church that was attracting a lot of young people, too. And I remember my grandfather, it was a play, point at which the, the church had split into two worship services because of capacity, but the way they did it was they split into styles. And so in the chapel, there was, there was one, there was a traditional service, with so the main auditorium and the older auditorium was there, and so they did things like hymns. It was a different worship style. And then there was this service they did in the gym. And they would sit on the bleachers and they had a band that was like rocking in there and they did more contemporary music. And, and I remember my grandfather had always been involved with every area of the church. He drove the bus for the young kids and for youth ministry to camps and all that. And he, he helped out with the Christian school that was there, all these different things. And so he knew just all generations of people. But I remember the day I looked at him, I was like, Papa, that's what I call him. It's like, Papa, it's very interesting to me. Where you serve in the church is not with the older people, because you're on the team, like does pastoral care, goes to the hospitals, you've been an elder there. You've taken care of the older people, but where you serve every Sunday is in the gym. Like you're 80 years old and where you serve is you serve and you greet and you hold the umbrella for all the young moms that are coming in, you high five the kids, you get down on your knee. And my grandfather, when I was a kid, I would run into the church and he would have candy in his pocket and for all these young kids, same thing. He'd have candy and they know that Ray Moyers had candy and he'd get down on his knee and all these kids would jump in they'd grab candy out of his pocket and he'd hug the moms and he'd send them all into church and then he'd go in and he would sit on the bleachers, majorly uncomfortable on the bleachers and seeing worship, style, worship music that I didn't see him play like at his home, played some older stuff. And he just hung out with those people and he looked at me, and he said, well, son, he said, here's the deal. He said, I'm 80 years old and I think I still got something to give. But I'm 80 years old and I've kind of had my day. And I'm looking at all these young kids and here's the thing, all those young kids are gonna be leading this church someday when I'm gone. And so I'm gonna invest in them And I'm going to love them and I'm going to go to that service with them and I'm going to show up and I'm going to high five and I'm going to hang out with kids and I'm going to give kids candy because those are going to be the future leaders of the church. I was like, wow, that is growing up. That's growing up. That's a guy who knows my grandfather had his issues, but that was in this issue. That was a guy that knows that I still got something to give. And it doesn't have to be my thing. It's gotta be the thing that's reaching more and more people because we've got this value around this place. And this value is, is that we are for the one. You see the for the one walls out there. It's in each lobby and each, each bulb that we put in there, it represents a person who's given their life to Christ and, and got baptized and people go out there, they put their bulbs in. And my grandfather knew that if we're not for the one now, we're not gonna be for anyone in 20 years from now. He had a cool story. Um, there was a, a guy who had uh, gotten baptized at our church and, and uh, he went to one of the guest services people and he was like, hey, Kelly, um, my bulb's gone. And she's like, really? Like, what, what's the deal? And he just took her over, he grabbed her by the arm, he pulls her over and he's like, my bulb was right there. I put it right next to this letter so I'd know where it was, so I could look at it all the time and my bulb's gone. Can I get another bulb and put it in? So she got him another bulb and he put it in. And here's the deal. I hope that everybody's bulb's going to be gone. Because guys we're over halfway there filling the, that wall with lights like and it's going to be full someday i'm hoping next year is going to be full and what we're going to do is we're going to take everybody's light out and we're going to tell that guy's so passionate about his bulb being in that spot we're going to say hey that's why we're for the one and that's why we look at all these things through the lens of the gospel. And that's why we do all kinds of different things, some that we like, some that are maybe are different than our preferences. that's why we do all kinds of things because we wanna fill that, that wall over and over and over again before you and I get out of this place. That's the dream. And that's Jesus's dream. And guys, if we wanna grow up, what we've gotta do is we've gotta be a place that cares way more about that stuff than our own preferences. And here's what I would say, Rocky's gonna be 40 years old next year. And guys, I wanna say this, I just wanna say I'm proud of this church. I wanna say thank you to all of you here at the Niwot campus. Without you, there's not a Frederick campus out here and you guys have reached so many people and done so much right here at this campus. I wanna say thank you to the Fred campus and all the people that you guys are reaching and all the people that have been here through all of that. I looked out at last service and I was just like, man, I am so thankful for some charter members that sat right there and sat right there at last service, including our founding pastor and his wife, Alan and Linda Algrim, that are still here and they're getting older. Not quite to my grandfather's age, but they're getting there. And they're looking at things and saying, "You know what? We're here because there are all of these people here. They're going to be the leaders when we're gone. It's not about our preferences. it's about reaching people. And I'm proud that we've got people at this place that give and serve and do all these different things to say, "You know what?" I find community at this place. I find teaching at this place. I find worship at this place, all that. But what I am a part of here is about something bigger than myself, something Jesus was about, the reason he came and died. And you remember they killed him because they thought he was doing some things that just were way different. I'm so proud that we've got a ton of people at this place that are like, hey, man, we are for the one and we will do whatever it takes to reach more people guys that's what it means to grow up i think every single one of us you might sit here today and you're like dude i'm I'm on fire i love this place i'm i'm excited and and none of this church part applies to me but i'm telling you there is something because we're all growing we're all getting older and I, i look at me i'm getting 40 i'm 48 man what do old people do man old people like me they get a little crotchety sometimes right And it's that thing of staying focused to remember that we are for each other because we are for Christ. And if we are going deeper, it's because we're actually doing something. We're doing something together to reach more people and to change people's lives. So here's what I wanna challenge you with over the next five weeks. I wanna encourage you to be here. I know it's summer and it's heading in, but I want to encourage you to be here. I wanna encourage you to give. I wanna encourage you to stay connected because we're not just coming here to learn how to grow up ourselves. We are coming to this place to reach more people so they can have a better life and they can have forgiveness in Jesus. So let's do it. Let's be here the next five weeks for this series and let's grow up together. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for each and every person sitting out here. I just look at so many faces and I see so many that have invested in so many things for many, many years. And then Father, I look at a lot of faces, that are brand new and I've seen them jump in and they're starting to invest. And God, we've got all, we, as a church, man, we've got a long ways to go, but I think we're growing up. And Father, I pray that you would help us to stay focused on the mission of what you called us to do to, to help as many people as possible know Jesus and love like him. God, that is our mission. And Father, help us to be about it. God, I pray you will bless each and every one of these people, no matter what age we are. Father, bless all of us and keep us focused on growing up in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.